The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. With available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome into the Early Edge NFL Week 17 Mega Preview presented by BetMGM. Guys, let's get right to it. We have a great panel. As always, we have RJ White. Two mega caches in the Las Vegas Super Contest. We have Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, the founder of Football Game Plan. We have an unusual slate in that it's our last Thursday night game of the season. No Monday night football. Ten early games on Sunday and a great Saturday night game. Guys, let's get right to it. You have the Jets visiting the Browns for the final Week 17 game. And I'm going to get your takes first, and then I'm going to chime in. RJ, what do you like in this matchup? Yeah, Cleveland on three straight wins with Flacco. Might be an awful matchup, though, for their new-look offense that's reliant on the pass because we know the Jets defend the pass well. But that's if the Jets show up. And and we saw a competent quarterback got in against them last week and all of a sudden they couldn't stop anyone. Um, so maybe Flacco can have some success here, but he also has five interceptions in his last two games. So that worries me a little bit here. A Cleveland run game was virtually non-existent, has been non-existent with him at quarterback, and that's how you really beat the Jets. That Jets offense struggled versus versus Washington despite the score. They had just 4.5 yards per play with Trevor Simeon, and he only had 217 yards on 49 pass attempts. He's going to be back under center here in a much, much more difficult matchup. So I don't see the Jets scoring much at all. So if you want to play the Browns, you know, seven I think is an okay number. Uh, I may look to pair the under with a defensive touchdown prop as that feels like it's the main way you could lose if there's a defensive touchdown scored. Otherwise, I don't think enough points get scored in this game to get over. Emery, is there a case you can make for taking the points? Uh, not at all because of what RJ just talked about offensively. Trevor Simeon is starting, so I feel like this Browns defense is going to eat him alive. So I kind of like the under and also minus seven. So the Browns should should. Uh, win this ball game, but definitely I don't trust them going over this summer because I feel like it's going to be all Browns in this one. Yeah, guys, this is my first official play. I got this uh, at six and a half. I'll still lay the seven, posted it on Sportsline as soon as I could because I was there in person to watch Trevor Simeon against the Commanders on Sunday, and I have never seen a quarterback just completely lock in on one receiver every single time, Garrett Wilson, and it resulted in that big interception which started the Commanders' comeback, and then when Brissett came in, they actually moved the ball fine against this Jets defense. And yeah, they did pull it out at the end, but 16 targets to Garrett Wilson, 15 to Brees Hall. Then you had Brownlee and Gibson, I believe, the only other receivers uh, to be targeted uh, aside from the tight end. I mean, that Jets offense against a terrible commander's defense was pathetic. And then you go into Cleveland, which at home has been lights out on defense. So, yeah, I laid six and a half. I will still lay seven. Okay, guys. Saturday night, this is a great matchup. The Lions visit the Cowboys. The Lions just clinched their first division NFC North title ever. First time in 30 years. They celebrated pretty hard after that game. RJ, do you think this is kind of a letdown spot for the Lions? Yeah, major letdown spot. I wish we were getting a better number here, but I think six is, is an okay play to, to, to lay. I, I, I would lean that way. It's a disappointing result for Dallas versus Miami, but Dak looked good. Defense held strong in the red zone. That goal line fumble early proved costly in the end. Detroit's defense bailed out repeatedly by bad Nick Mullins throws last week. Gave up an awful 9.3 yards per attempt. They can't stop the pass, it looks like. 
and uh, Dallas coming in with Dak Prescott, who was an M- the MVP candidate before, uh, you know, maybe even the lead MVP candidate before last week, um, should tear up that defense. I think he's not going to make the same mistakes Mullins did. I expect Dallas to score a lot of points here. So it's up to Detroit's offense to keep up. And if this is a letdown spot here, might might have a little bit of difficulty here. The line, the, my power rating, say the line feels right, but because of the spot, I would lean Dallas. Yeah, Emery, uh, getting six points with a very potent Lions offense that can run the ball with two great running backs where the Cowboys have been weak uh, defending the run. That's been their Achilles heel defensively. Are you tempted by the points? Uh, yeah, I'm taking the points here. I think this one is going to be under that that number because I feel like Detroit will use this as a measuring stick game and to avoid the letdown. And they're also still in contention for, as is Dallas, for that number two uh, spot in the NFC playoff picture. So they still have a chance to get that number two seed in Detroit. So for me, the Lions, with their ability to run the football behind that very good offensive line, that's how you slow down this pass rush for Dallas. Uh, you run right at them and force them to be run defenders. I think that's going to help them keep this game close. And because it's a measuring stick game and because Dallas knows they're a little bit vulnerable on defense, expect their offense to kind of slow walk themselves down the field to make it a possessions game as opposed to a back-and-forth affair. So I like the Lions plus six here. I think we're going to get at least a three-point game. I'm going to go the other way, and I like what Jared and Joe are saying in the chat. Jared talking about how good the Cowboys are at home. They're a different team, 39.9 points per game at home. I know they haven't played the easiest schedule, the hardest schedule, but the Lions defense is not very formidable. I mean, you get, uh, uh, you know, the Vikings put up uh, a lot, could have had a lot more if they had a competent quarterback. And then, you know, I just look at the spot, a short week, travel, and the fact that last year, Jared Goff, four turnovers against the Cowboys defense, two picks and two fumbles. And Michael Parsons is going to get a holding call this game. If you saw the tweet with the video of him being held by uh, two offensive linemen, has not gotten a holding call in 38 quarters. And sometimes I think that talk can seep in because this guy is, you know, one of the top two or three defensive players in the league. He's not getting officiated that way. And uh, I think he's going to get some calls. And I think the Cowboys are going to take it by seven to 10 at, at, at home where they've been so efficient and uh, they played pretty well in Miami. So uh, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not upset by that at all. That was actually a nice bounce back after the terrible performance in Buffalo. So I laid the points with the Cowboys. Those are my two official plays. We've got to get, to your guys' plays. We have six more official plays coming on the show. But first, I want to tell you, where are you going to place all these bets that RJ and Emery are going to give out? Well, BetMGM has all the action. New BetMGM customers sign up today, get a first bet offer up to $1,500. If your first bet loses, you will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets with bonus code EDGE1500. That is EDGE1500. We have a 10-game early Sunday slate, but before we get to that, let's hear from one of our sponsors. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Patriots visit the Bills, an obvious revenge spot for the Bills after that embarrassing loss, uh, 29-25. I have the Patriots under two and a half division wins. If they win four games this year and one of those, uh, you know, or five games this year and three of those are in the division, I'm going to pull my hair out because all my other future bets are looking good. RJ, will they be competitive here? I know they're not going to win this game. Will they be competitive? 
It's possible. I mean, Buffalo suffered a scare against the Chargers. They did dominate that game in the stats, 6.2 yards per play to 4.2, but uh, they need to stop with the dumb turnovers. Like, it's just, it seems like every week they're trying to lose a game with dumb turnovers. And New England's the type of team that can make you pay for that. You know, we saw that loss earlier in the year uh, where even Buffalo was outplayed by Mac Jones in that game. They know they can't sleepwalk in this game against this defense. So I think they'll show up better than they did in that cross-country trip to L.A. last week. The New England run offense, I thought they would, you know, run rampant over Denver. They did nothing in a great matchup, but Bailey Zappi stepped up. He out, helped out gain Denver in yards per play by 5.2 to 4.2, so a big play there. But that New England offense was inconsistent. The eight of their 13 drives didn't even at 10 yards, and so they either would go down, get some points, or get nothing. I think against this Buffalo defense, that's playing a lot better. They're going to have a lot. They're going to struggle to have any success. Really, feels like Buffalo should dominate the stats in this game. It's going to take some dumb turnovers not to cover here. I think the line should be 14. So if you want to play Buffalo, I'm okay even with the big number playing Buffalo. Um, and then just hope. And then if you want to play the other side of Allen to throw over even one and a half interceptions, I think that might cover you on the other side. Emery, will you be laying the lumber with Buffalo? I can't trust Buffalo right now with this big number because of Josh Allen's propensity to put the ball in the other team's hands. And we know New England will get pressure. Their defense is still very good. So based off what we saw last week against the Chargers and based off what we've seen from Buffalo all season long, And based off what we've seen from New England, I think this will be a much tighter game. Division matchup, commonality is right there in play. I'm going to take the Patriots plus the points here because of that defense versus Buffalo's offense. And again, can we count on Gabe Davis to have back-to-back great weeks? Can we count on Khalil Shakir to have back-to-back great weeks? I can't say that with confidence, so I do feel like this game will be a lot closer than these 12 points. This is a competitive game that's very hard for me to uh, to handicap when you have the Falcons visiting the Bears. These are teams, I was on both of them last week, and luckily they came through. I've been on the Bears for several weeks, and then the Falcons make the move to Taylor Heineke. It was obviously the right move. They, they beat down the Colts 29-10 at home, and now you're giving me a full field goal with the team that is still very much alive. Uh, I'm kind of torn on this one because I do like the way both teams are trending. RJ, you have a play in this game. Let's hear it. Yeah, I like the under, going under 38 points. Atlanta's out, offense bounced back in a huge way by leaning on the running backs in that game. They had 10 of the 23 receptions um, from Taylor Heineke in addition to those 28 carries they had. Chicago's defense effective at limiting Arizona's running backs in the run game. They are third in rush yards per loud, um, per, per rush, but they did struggle in that game against running backs in the passing game. It seemed like every... Whenever they wanted it, they could get 10 yards across the middle of the field throwing to either Dean Mercado or Connor. Um, Atlanta's defense did a great job shutting down Jonathan Taylor, and Chicago's offense really needs the run game to work to have a shot at success. But the key thing here is Atlanta's offense has been awful on the road. They did lose two road starts with Taylor Heineke early in the year. Those only came against Tennessee and Arizona, not really great competition. Did score some points in those games, but um, I, I just couldn't take them in this spot here. It looks like the market is trending toward taking them, and it might drop under three. If it gets under three, I'm going to look to the Bears right now. I'm just playing that under, like I said, at 38. Atlanta unders are 10 and 5 all season. Chicago is 6 1 and 1 to the under in their last eight after the defense got healthy and added Montez Sweat. So these two are two teams that typically play to the under, especially like it with Atlanta going on the road here. Emery. When you look at this game, um, you know, one thing with the Bears, I feel like there's so much more potential that hasn't even been unlocked yet. Uh, Is this the day uh, that we finally see it? Absolutely. At these points with the Bears, you have the Arthur Smith effect. You can't trust his play calling game to game. Taylor Heineke will get challenged against this Bears defense, which has been outstanding like RJ pointed out, since they picked up uh, Montez Sweat, something has clicked for this defense. They're getting pressure. They're turning the ball over. They'll get turnovers versus Heineke. And I love how a lot of people are just overanalyzing Justin Fields when in actuality, he is the biggest X factor in this game. He's the most explosive piece on either side of the field. And because of that, when you have a pressure style defense like Atlanta has, they want to get after the quarterback. You got to play calm against a guy that can legitimately go 60 yards on any given carry he's going to see a lot more zone he's going to be able to hit those windows to a lot of those targets Cole Komet if he's out there healthy 100% DJ Moore should have some success and if push comes to shove we'll see Phil's take off and run he'd be the he'll be, be the great equalizer in this ball game I like the Bears to win big here nice well we have another field goal spread in Indianapolis where the Raiders come to town it's going to be a short week for the Raiders they're basically the toast of the town right now. Antonio Pierce is four and three since taking over. They're still alive. 
Uh, this does seem at first that everyone's going to gravitate towards taking the points after what the Raiders did to the Chiefs and that defense. RJ, is that the way you're going to lean? I mean, that's I think that's how you have to lean uh, here. I, I just hate the Colts. They're somehow eight and seven, but they're seven losses. They look like the worst team in the league, and they're eight wins. They look like a top ten team, and you just never know what you're going to get with them week to week. Last last week, they looked like they did nothing well offensively, defensively. Just everything went, went wrong for them. Couldn't stop Atlanta run game at all. Led to seven scoring drives, although five of them were field goals. So maybe, maybe stepping up in the red zone helps them there. Um, but then you look at this Vegas offense, certainly capable of making plenty of dumb mistakes too. They couldn't complete a pass after the first quarter. Zero passing yards in that win over over the Chiefs after the first quarter. I can't have confidence in them scoring points. Their defense is up to 13th in yards per play, coming off an amazing effort on the road. Typically with these teams that are eliminated, you worry about motivation. They are motivated to get Antonio Pierce the full-time job. They're playing for their coach. They want him to be the coach there clearly, at least on the defensive side. I don't know what the offense is doing. Um, so I, I think that's the way you lean with their motivation. Um, it feels like Indy should be bigger favorites in this matchup because of that offense at eight and seven, but they haven't even been three point favorites all year. So this would be like a high for, for the Colts. And I don't know if they deserve it against this Raiders team that's playing well. So I think you got to lean to the Raiders. I think the line should be a little bit south of three. Emery, would you lean to the Raiders with a team that did not complete a pass, I believe, after the first quarter uh, and still won that game uh, doing nothing on offense? Yeah, they set offense back for a couple of decades there to, you know, <laughs> it was bad to watch. But maybe they get Josh Jacobs back in this game. We've seen them be able to run the ball. But I like the under here more than anything because RJ touched on it, how much this Raiders defense wants to play for Antonio Pierce. They have simplified everything. It's see ball, get ball, go attack downhill. That's how you play defense is a reactionary side of the ball. And he's allowing those guys to go out there and just play reactionary football. And the good part is they're dealing with a quarterback that doesn't particularly do well versus pressure. So I think both defenses will show up because there's no passing threat uh, from the quarterback position on the Raiders side of things. This will be a run the ball, try to get field position, try to get some field goals in there, get out of dodge with a win however you can uh, get out of Dodge with that win. So I think the defenses will show up. So I like the under more than anything here. And Ray Brown in the chat points out that Michael Pittman should be back, which is huge uh, for the Colts. Gardner Minshew needs him. Uh, he's such an important part of that offense. We saw what happened without him in Atlanta. And then now we have our fourth official pick. I have given you the Browns and the Cowboys. RJ's given you the under in Atlanta, Chicago. And now, Emery, you've got an official play on the Red Hot Rams visiting the Giants. Yeah, I like the Rams here. I'm laying these six points. I just like the, that they are playing their best ball toward the back end of the season. And it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, but it's hard for teams to uh, really grasp within the week's prep for this game. I liken it to how teams used to struggle versus uh, Nebraska in the mid-90s and how they still still struggle now versus uh, triple option offenses in college football, you know the crosser is coming. You know it's going to be a low crosser with a mid-level crosser behind it, yet you still can't communicate and pass it off. So you're going to see Puka Nakua have success. You're going to see Cooper Cup have success. You're going to see the running back still have success because you have to respect uh, the uh, play-action pass. So you're trying to get your depth in your zones, and now Kyra Williams has an advantageous access to the second level this is just a bad matchup for the giants and on offense who's going to be quarterback should it be tyrod taylor he gives them to me the best chance to win we know tommy devito is the story that got the start but he was yanked at halftime and post game listening to the press conference in studio it was adamant that uh brian dayball was highly upset with the play to where he had to bench devito does devito give them a better chance absolutely not the mobility of tyrod helped spark the offense Maybe the over could be in play, but I definitely feel like the Rams will win by more than six. Yeah, I think Tyrod's got to be the the play, the way he came in and made that game competitive. But, I mean, the NFL probably had something against the Giants with the scheduling here. When you, the Rams play a Thursday game, the Giants play a Monday game. Uh, that's not really fair, RJ. Right, and that's why the Rams have an edge here. I want to ask Emery something before I get into my analysis. So you see, it sounds like you think Tyrod might play, and you still like the Rams at minus six. What do you think the line should be if DeVito is the quarterback? <laughs> it should be what it was uh, for that Eagles. Where it, you know, Early in the week, it was, what, 11? Then by game time, it was 13 and a half. If DeVito's in, he gives you no threat offensively. Uh, teams know, okay, we just stopped Saquon. We ain't got to worry about DeVito doing anything deep down the field. We just rally up, make a tackle. So I feel like if DeVito was in, that line would be more double digits based off what we've seen from him and what we've seen from Vegas uh, when DeVito has been the starter. 
I just think it's hard. It's hard to make the Rams much higher favorites than seven and against anyone on the road, even in this great spot here. So, I mean, you build in a little bit of, of number to the, to the spot here. And um, if, if DeVito's quarter quarterback, maybe I can get it up to like seven and a half or eight, but uh, I, I just think this number has the ability to come down. If Taylor is named quarterback, cause he is much better on offense uh, and capable of engineering some scoring drives and keeping this game close, maybe even backdooring a cover. The problem for the giants is that the defense is now 27th in yards per play. I don't know how they slow down this Rams offense with Stan with Matt Stafford playing well. They're they're number six in yards per play. They're top ten in yards per rush and yards per pass. They've gotten at least 399 yards in five straight after that New Orleans beatdown. And they only won that game by eight, but it was 37, 30 to seven midway through the fourth quarter. So it's still a blowout in my eyes. So I think they their defense is obviously capable of shutting down limited offenses. They held three of the last six opponents under 300 yards, but I'm not sure with Tyrod Taylor, the Giants, and, and Brian Dayball calling the shots there. I'm not sure that they have a limited offense. So if it is Taylor in, I expect the line to drop, and if it doesn't, I'm going to be looking toward the Giants. And if it's DeVito, I would like to play the Rams before it gets to seven. Yeah, I agree with you. The Rams, 28-plus in five straight, the balanced offense. If it is DeVito, even with the chance of Tyrod coming in to try to rescue them, uh, I would like the Rams at under a touchdown. Looking at the next game, very interesting with Jonathan Gannon going to Philadelphia. Something not right in Philly. Yeah, they get the win. They don't get the cover. Still sloppy. I thought they were going to put the hammer down in the second half, and it didn't really happen against the Giants. Now they're laying double digits, over double digits against the Cardinals, but a terrible travel spot for the Cardinals when you have to go to Chicago and then now come to Philly late in a totally lost season. If this isn't a get-right spot for the Eagles, there there isn't one. Uh, RJ, what do you think? Yeah, well, what about that spot last week? That should have been a get-right spot for them, and and that game ended up them not covering that one because Tyrod they can't stop Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, this this game is going to tell you about Jonathan Gannon as a coach. If his players like him and they rally around him, they're going to come out here try to compete and get him a win against his old team. And if they're kind of checked out, then then I think that gives you everything you need to know here. I like the air. I would lean to Arizona covering. I mean, their defense is not stopping anyone. Six point three yards per play against Chicago, mostly giving it up to the run game there. They're bottom five against in yards per rush and yards. Per pass so you can beat them any which way you want their offense did have success against that improving bears defense though and i think they can get to 20 plus points against a philly defense that looks pretty mediocre right now when they face any competent quarterback and kyler murray is obviously three four or five greater than signs ahead of tommy devito at this point i mean there's no comparison there um so i think they can get in and backdoor cover if they need to with kyler i think they're going to score some points with kyler if they show up for this game and want to get a win for jonathan gannon philly's not winning many games by margin they've only had two wins by 10 plus all year and so i think the way you look to play this game is either arizona even at 10 and a half even though it's come down a little bit off the look ahead or go to the over if you just think it's going to be a, a points fest here so those are the only two ways I'm looking to play this one. Yeah, the back door definitely open. I mean, the Eagles had to defend a pass into the end zone uh, to end that game. And, and one of the Giants receivers got thrown out of the end zone. No flag uh, on that last drive. Uh, Emery, your take on this one. Yeah, I'm leaning to the Philadelphia Eagles. I will lay these points. And there's a lot of dots to connect here. You have uh, Jonathan Gannon, who knows the, about the Philly offense. But you also have the Eagles, who know about this Jonathan Gannon led defense, and I feel like that right there should also yield the over in play. Because when you have a quarterback that connect on a deep ball like Kyle Murray can, they'll be able to score some points here. I'm thinking 33-20 type ball game. So we'll get a lot of points, but we'll also get the cover from the Eagles because they still have the ability to really grind out the game when they have a lead if they decide to stick with it because they can run the ball, but they just don't stick with it. They'll be able to run the football here to, to really salt this game away. And a big update on that defense for the Cardinals, which hadn't been good particularly all season long, but now they've just released their starting corner, Marco Wilson, who started a lot of games out there, who was starting this season. So now you bring in a reserve corner uh, against two number ones out there on the perimeter. I, I just feel like the Eagles have a chance to really put up some points like they did yesterday, but also that defense will give up some deep balls to Kyler Murray. He can extend the play. So that's why I also like the over as well. Huge game in the NFC South with Tampa Bay hosting New Orleans. The Saints had extra rest. That's going to help because they have been banged up. The first game, Tampa Bay wins 26-9 to in New Orleans. The Saints only have 3.2 yards per play. But if you go back to that game, I believe Derek Carr was playing very hurt and maybe shouldn't have even um, <clears throat> excuse me, started that game. So as well as the Bucs are playing, I have trouble laying a full field goal in this kind of you know payback spot for the Saints. RJ, what's your look here? 
It seems like the market is going to trend toward toward uh, the Saints too. So if you like the Saints, get them at three. And if you like the Bucks, you can probably hold out for a two and a half at least. Tampa's on a four-game win streak. They scored 29-plus in three straight, and their offense is getting close to top 10 in yards per pass. I don't think they're quite there. Um, but they're they're looking like a really good pass offense here. The New Orleans defense, typically good against the pass statistically, but they've obviously had a very easy schedule coming into the year. We knew it was the easiest one in the league, and even, even though their record does not reflect that because they're not playing very well. Just thrown all over by the Rams last week. We can see a little bit of that this week with Tampa here. The Tampa Bay defense um, looks like they had a good game against Jacksonville with the points they 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 gave up. Uh, they benefited from four bad turnovers, um, and I'm not convinced that that they're going to be a problem for teams. But they are getting healthier, um, so we'll see if New Orleans, now that Carr is healthier, you mentioned that first game, ha- it does better than all of that game because he only had 127 pass yards on 37 attempts, so something clearly wasn't right there. So I could see this being a little bit of a shootout here. Line is about right since Tampa Bay doesn't have much home field advantage, and I think they're the, the slightly better team. I wouldn't play them past the three, certainly. I'd, I'd think about it at two and a half. If I'm going to lean one way and this game's going to be over 42 and a half, I think this game probably should be a couple points higher. Emery, what's your lean on this one? Based off how the Saints have played offensively this year, to quote the great American poets, run DMC, the turntables might wobble, but they don't fall down. They're about to fall down in this ballgame. Lay these points with Tampa Bay. You can even tease this up to minus 10. The Bucs will dominate this ballgame. They have a chance to knock out the Saints from playoff contention, knock them out of this whole uh, NFC South competition. Derek Carr, healthy, injured, mediocre, warm, hot, cold. He's not good. And so they have no threat coming from the passing game. The team tells you that they don't really rock with Derek Carr. The the offense is just not there. This is a good team. Saints haven't played well versus good teams. Saints haven't played well versus the average teams. They've only dominated the worst teams uh, on their schedule. This is an easy win for Tampa Bay. Lay these points, and you could probably make yourself some money by going up all the way to even 10 points here in this ballgame. Wow, strong stuff. You know, the last time we saw the 49ers, uh, they were all – discombobulated like I am right now trying to describe what the Baltimore Ravens defense did to them uh, in terms of the hard hitting in terms of the coverage those you know it was not only it was a great pass rush it was great play in the secondary and to me those picks were not flukes from Brock Purdy Brock Purdy was unsettled in the pocket he was throwing to guys that had their arms up and balls were being deflected so I don't think it's just a, a, a thing where you can say turnovers are variants and, you know, the, it, he could have had a great game. No, they they messed with him. But now he gets to play the easiest pass defense. Assuming he's back, uh, either he or Sam Darnold gets to play the easiest pass defense in the entire league. This is a total smash spot. We have yet to hear if it's going to be Sam Howell, who had a 1.7 passer rating. That's, that's correct. That's not a, a typo. Six for 22 with two picks. Uh, against the Jets before he got pulled. Um, I could only look at the 49ers in this spot, but if it is Brissett, Washington becomes tempting. Our, uh, Emery, you got an official play here. Yeah, ladies' points with San Francisco. That Washington game got out of hand quickly for, for them against the Jets. Those three turnovers within the first, what, six minutes of the game, and they were quickly down 17 nothing. and then we saw them fire back and come back with Jacoby Brissett. But loss within that translation was the, the, fact, the fact that they couldn't stop the run. That's all they're going to see here from San Francisco. It won't even be about Brock Purdy or Sam uh, Sam Darnold or, or even, you know, uh, whoever they want to put out, John Brody, right? Dig him up and put him <laughs> out there, right? It's going to be Christian McCaffrey. He's going to remind people why he should be a, a favorite for the MVP more so than Brock Purdy was. I expect zone Outside zone left, outside zone right, maybe a little crack toss to Debo Samuel. They're going to run up and down FedEx field against this commander's team, lay these points comfortably. RJ, will we see any kind of hangover from the 49ers? Because that was the national spotlight. That was the Super Bowl preview. Um, And they not only lost, but their confidence got shaken on Monday night. Yeah, you're talking about is Purdy going to be available? I'm worried that the the team's MVP might not be available because Trent Williams also exited that game too. And we saw how bad they played when he missed some time earlier this season. That was during their three-game losing streak. And if his health is is, is bad, Trent's bad, I, I don't think it is. I think he sounds like he's going to play and he doesn't play in this game. Then I'm worried. Then this, this line drops to like nine and a half to me instead of 13 and a half. And I don't really want any part of the 49ers. Even if Sam Howell is named the quarterback, I think if you play the 49ers, do it in the first half because we've seen – 
they're just going to go to Brissett when, when he's playing poorly and Brissett's going to cover the back door against some of these teams and just throw touchdown after touchdown, put together touchdown drive after touchdown drive. This might be the easiest defensive matchup for San Francisco all year. 400 yards and 30 points seems like a bare minimum if they're healthy, if, if Purdy's in and if Williams is okay, but there's always a potential to sleepwalk as big road favorites on the road here. So I, I just cannot lay the points here. I want no part of Washington covering if Brissett it is in. I'll think about it. And if Brissett is in, I'll definitely be looking to play the over. Carolina showed a little bit of promise offensively. Now, you could say it was against Green Bay, whose defense has cratered uh, since week 10. But they finally got the offense going. They've covered three of their last four under the interim coach. And now they're getting, what, a full touchdown against the Jaguars. I don't believe it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, but that has not been confirmed. <clears throat> I think the Jags would be better off playing C.J. Beathard regardless of whether Trevor Lawrence is able to play because obviously he should not have been playing these past few weeks. The Jaguars season is gone straight downhill because he's been playing hurt. C.J. Beathard is competent. Uh, Emery, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Uh, you going to lay the points? I'm going to take the over in this one. I feel like when you look at both teams, you know, there's some potential for splash plays. They still have a lot of uh, big play capability to do the Jaguars because they have explosive talent at the skill position. So even with C.J. Beathard in there, he's not going to really stress the field vertically like a Trevor Lawrence can, but he can hit enough to where these guys are really good catch and run guys. And Travis Etienne, uh, Etienne is still back there in the backfield. They still have a lot of explosiveness. But on the other side of the ball, even though they have pound for pound some talented players, some athletic players on defense at all three levels, through Jacksonville, they do give up the big play. And I feel like what we saw last game from Bryce Young, you know, allowing him just to play free, still have some problems with his lower body in terms of how he sets up in the pocket and doesn't really have calm feet. But when he's playing quick in terms of like how he played at Alabama, he's able to create, find a window and hit a dart downfield. So I like this one to go back and forth. I think they found something right now with, with how they're playing offensively. So I like the over uh, more than anything. RJ, is it as simple as saying Trevor Lawrence has killed them last few weeks, or are there other problems with this Jags team that was eight and three? The offensive line is a problem. The defense is a problem as a whole. I mean, there are a lot of problems with this team. Calvin Ridley disappears at times in games. All, all his fantasy managers were tearing their hair out. And I believe he had no catches at halftime of this game. He finally got on the board late. Um, so it's just it's just a team that should have ran away with this division, everybody thought, and they're not playing that well. I actually bet them to miss the playoffs before the season. So I'm, I'm glad that that's still live. We're hoping we can get over the, 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 uh, the finish line there. Probably not going to happen because they're laying seven in this game. Carolina's offense looked legit against Green Bay out of nowhere. I mean, I don't care that Green Bay's defense had problems. You just got to stop this offense. They have done absolutely nothing all year. But this game, they had 6.3 yards for playing Bryce Young, went over 300 pass yards. Any competent defense should be able to stop them. But Jacksonville's defense certainly capable of getting routed. Um, but Tampa Bay beat them last week with sustained pass efficiency, and I don't know that Carolina can do that. Um, so so we'll see there. Jacksonville's offense a mess when, with Lawrence playing. Um, I can't trust them to cover a big number at this point. I think you look to Carolina if you want to play the spread. They have covered three of four under Tabor at coach, and Jacksonville has been not just lot losing two straight, but uncompetitive in two straight games. So I would prefer if Lawrence is cleared and people will bet this up and it gets over seven where I consider playing Carolina. So this is going to be a wait-and-see play for me. Well, this game it might be the best one of the day. Dolphins at Ravens, AFC supremacy on the line. You love to back John Harbaugh as an underdog. Uh, his numbers are incredible. You love to back Lamar against the NFC because he almost never loses. But now you have a favorite role at home. But the Dolphins might not have Jalen Waddle. Looks like he will be out. That's got to be a huge blow to their offense. Emery, how do you, how do you handicap this one? Well, this is a great spot to play the Dolphins if you're Baltimore because you just played their offense last week against San Francisco. It's the same exact offense um, with less Christian McCaffrey, right? So you get Raheem Moses, who quiet has kept, is having a phenomenal year, right? He's 20-something touchdowns he has. So he's been playing excellent football. No Waddle kind of takes a little bit of the, the shine off this game, although Waddle tends to get hurt every other play, right? It, every time he gets tackled, he's – getting up slow and he's off, but he's then he's back. So he probably was a wash in this game. How healthy Kyle Hamilton will be is going to be key. But I feel like this game at this spot for Baltimore, I'm laying these four points because of what they just faced is very similar to what they're going to see in uh, Miami against this Dolphin team. So I like Baltimore to cover here. 
RJ, you know, Raheem Mostert and Austin Jackson also dealing with injuries for the Dolphins. Uh, but the Ravens, it's got to be a kind of a not a letdown spot, but can you get as high as they were for that game? They were so locked in against San Francisco. I wonder what they have left for this one. Well, the good news is if you win this game, you can rest people next week because you lock up the number one seat. So, I mean, they could be playing for that and playing for an extra week off or, or a mostly week off. I don't know if they want to give them two full weeks off with the bye. Um, but but we'll see there. Miami got it out of win versus a good team to kill that narrative that they can't beat good teams. Now they got to go in and win this game to stay, um, you know, up on the division race and, and give them a shot at the number one seed here. Um, I think uh, Baltimore, huge win in San Francisco. Like you said, I'm, I'm don't want to overrate them based on one week. You know, I, I didn't have them anywhere near San Francisco. So they, they showed that they deserve to be above them. Defense helped by some deflected interceptions. We talked about that a little bit, you know, they were, they did play well. I don't want to take anything away from them. They are the number one team in yards per play for a reason. They are vulnerable against the run though. Um, but that beat up Miami offensive line wasn't that effective in the run game against Dallas, where you would expect them to be without Jonathan Hankins there. Miami quietly has a highly rated defense. Some of that is, schedule, but they did just enough against an MVP candidate in Dak to slow him down. So I think there's going to be some Baltimore backers. The look ahead was three. It got up to four after the Baltimore win. Um, and if it gets a little bit higher, I'm going to start thinking about Miami here because you worry about the pressure that that the Ravens got on Purdy, got him off his game here. We know Miami can get it out quickly with Tua. They emphasize that with the quick passing. And if they're doing that and, and Tua can stay upright, I think they have a shot of, of not just covering, but maybe winning this game. So I'm going to play Miami if it gets a little bit higher. If not, I'm just going to stay away. Yeah, and we saw Miami come back from a big deficit in Baltimore, that huge uh, fourth quarter comeback. That was uh, a thrilling game uh, for Tua, if you guys remember that one. Uh, and I do empathize with anybody in the chat talking about Chuba Hubbard because I was on over 16 and a half carries as well, and we couldn't get the 17th in the fourth quarter. We couldn't get overtime, which I thought was going to get it for us. Uh, a very frustrating loss. Now you look at this game, Titans at Texans. I saw something today where there were 20-plus players active for the Titans who were not on the roster at the start of the season, not on the first, the opening day roster. That's how many injuries. That's what's happened to their team. Totally decimated on the other side, the Texans also decimated. Hopefully CJ Stroud is back. There's optimism, but what about Will Anderson? Uh, what about Jimmy Ward? What about Blake Cashman? RJ, you have an official play on this one. Yeah, I'm going to lay it with the Texans on under the premise that I think Stroud's going to be back based on reporting over the weekend. It sounds like he's trending in the right direction. Um, and, and so he seems likely to return for this game. Uh, Will Levis might be back too. I don't know if that's a positive or negative. He wasn't playing that great before his injury. Uh, Tennessee did fight valiantly against Seattle. The run offense found some new life, but Houston's rush defense is, is top tier this year, um, even with the injuries in, in the passing game, which you might be able to take advantage of. Um, I don't think that they'll give up a, a bunch to Derrick Henry in the run game here. Houston completely blown out by Cleveland, but two garbage time touchdowns disguised it a bit in the final score. It's going to be a much easier match for them here. Tennessee's defense, 32nd in, in interception rate, unlikely to slow down this Houston pass attack. That's going to be healthier than it's been in several weeks, especially with uh, Stroud expected back. Would expect the line to rise when Stroud is in, maybe settle around five, maybe even get to six. So I wanted to beat that move and lock in Houston at minus three and a half as a best bet. I mean, Tennessee has let two straight games slip away late. That first one against Houston um, where, where they lost in overtime and then this past one where um, they were leading Seattle at the end and, and gave up that go-ahead uh, touchdown to lose it there. So I'm not sure how they get up for, for this game after those two losses. It might be kind of gut punch and write the season off, and, and we'll see a next-year time for them. So this could be a little flat spot for the Titans here. And if Stroud is back, love the Texans. Just keep winning and trying to lock up this division. Yeah, it's a quick division rematch, but they go into Tennessee and win with Case Keenum. Now they should get C.J. Stroud back. Emery, do you agree with R.J.? Absolutely. And you wonder how long Will Anderson will be out. Um, that's unfortunate because he was trended toward all rookies. He still may get all rookie, but C.J. Stroud back definitely enhances the passing game. And that's going to be big against the secondary that tends to give up the big play deep downfield. We saw that against Seattle. We'll see that again here against Houston. I, I do like the Texans to win. I'm going to lay these three and a half points. And that was the Texans minus three and a half was the second official play from RJ White. You're going to get the third one, but we got to take a break and hear from one of our sponsors. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. 
At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Steelers heading to Seattle, getting three and a half. It will be Mason Rudolph, uh, who had a great game in that win. And I and I heard something where Mike Tomlin, 5-0 and in the Mountain or Western time zones against the spread in his last five visits out there. RJ, you put any stock into that at all? Yeah, I was actually looking into that and put that in in my analysis, I believe, on the site uh, when I put a pick in for this game. And I'm leaning towards Seattle in this game um, because they, they were awful. So if you if you buy into that narrative that kind of was hanging around him, that he's awful on the West Coast, that's kind of flipped around um, these last five games. Um, but I think Seattle gutted out a win. I expected more from their offense versus Tennessee. Um, but I, I'm going to chalk that up to Geno, maybe not quite being 100%. We know Kenneth Walker dealing with an injury coming into that game. And I think having not suffered any setbacks that we know of in that game, moving forward, they're going to play a lot better moving forward. And this should be a good matchup for them against this Pittsburgh defense that hasn't played well for much of the year. And that offense destroyed a bad Cincinnati defense last week, but take out the two long touchdowns. They were not efficient on their other plays. And Seattle's not going to give up those long plays, I don't think, defensively. They're actually playing pretty well despite some of the injuries they've been dealing with, the guys like Witherspoon and Adams on the defensive side. Um, so, so they've been pretty good limiting those big plays. They've had no pass plays allowed over 20 yards in the last two weeks, and that's with playing the Eagles two weeks ago. So they're actually doing very well well on defense. I expect the market to buy this down to three. It looks like everybody wants to be on the Steelers here, even with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, um, as we expect, uh, unless Kenny Pickett makes a, a great recovery in his name starter later in the week. Um, but if this gets to three, love Seattle. Um, so if you don't want to lock it in now, I understand. But uh, I make them a bigger favorite here, and I'm hoping to play them at only three. Emery, was that Mason Rudolph performance legit or, or somewhat of a mirage? It was legit in terms of he's better than Pickett and also Trubisky, but in terms of where he stands in terms of long-term still or quarterbacks, no, he's still below average. But for this particular game, I like the over because the variance of the receivers in Deontay Johnson that should see more targets and also in uh, George Pickens. And when you think about what the Seahawks haven't given up, well, no one really has pressed them deep down the field. We know the Seals are playing with their backs against the wall, so they will take a shot uh, deep downfield. And when you're taking a shot to a George Pickens and they say the whole saying is, is a 50-50 chance, well, yeah, he makes it 90-10 because he tends to come down with a lot of catches. And on the other side, you can attack this Steelers secondary deep down the field. And we know Geno Smith has the receivers. He has the ability. He has a touch to throw that ball deep down the field as well. So I like this one going over this number. The Broncos laid a full six to the Patriots, actually got all the way up to seven. Uh, I was on the wrong side of that. RJ was on the right side. He was on the Patriots. And now the, the Broncos dress up again as big favorites, laying five and a half to the Chargers. Chargers under their new coach, very competitive. You could say, you know, the Bills handed them a few things to keep them competitive, but they definitely played better, played harder, were a little more focused. Uh, RJ, you taking the points? I'm taking the points again, even though my power ratings say the line should be higher. They said that last week, and I did not. I went against it. I didn't want to trust them. I can't trust Denver laying a bunch of points. They're not a very good team. Their rush defense, though, surprisingly, wasn't the issue against New England, but Bailey Zappi threw all over them. I think Easton Stick can have some similar success, even if Keenan Allen isn't back for this game. We'll see how his health is. Denver still has the worst run defense in the league, too, by nearly half a yard per rush. And Chargers were solid running the ball against Buffalo, maybe doing more of that with the new coaching staff in place there. Um, maybe we see more of that here, and that keeps this game closer. And their defense also looked better against Buffalo with Staley gone. And the Denver's offense just doesn't get enough yards consistently to expect them to hang a big number on the scoreboard without their defense helping them out and, and, and giving them some short fields there. So this is another game where I'm fading my rating. I, again, think it should – my ratings think it should be seven. I think I'm probably overrating uh, Denver here or underrating the Chargers here. I think it's going to be tough for Denver to bounce back with their playoff chances nearly done after losing that game. So I like Chargers plus five and a half as a best bet. This also could be a game worth $9 million. And here's why there's four people left in the circus survivor after 
after Denver wiped out six of the 10 remaining um, in the first half of the week 16 play. All four have Denver left, and Denver is the highest spread game for all four of them, except for one <laughs> who has Cleveland. And, and that, that one person better play Cleveland this week against the Jets and then see if those other three go with Denver. And if Denver loses again outright, that one person with Cleveland left and was smart enough to save Cleveland could end up winning $9.268 million in the Circumillion. Well, it's going to be interesting to see, even though it is the biggest spread that those three people have left, if they can go back to a Denver team uh, that just knocked out six other people uh, last week. Uh, Emery, do you agree taking the points is the way to go? I'm going to take the under. I think Denver's defense will frustrate a little bit this Chargers offense. And the Chargers defense, for what it's worth, um, I keep saying it, piece by piece they have talent. So they'll be able to frustrate this Denver offense. So I see this one being a, a, a tug-of-war type battle. All the way throughout, I, I lean Denver winning this ball game, but I like the under as, as a play here uh, based off what I've seen from both teams. Were there two more disappointing teams last week than the Bengals and the Chiefs? And now the Bengals visit the Chiefs. We're seeing some action on Cincy as this number is all the way down to seven. RJ, do you agree with the move on the Bengals? Uh, it's tough to back the the Bengals. Um, they're now forced to win their last two to have a realistic playoff shot as the worst eight and seven team right now. They have a three and seven record in the AFC. Um, so this is it. They got to throw everything at this game, and maybe they could do it. Maybe that's what the market is responding to. Their defense though is just terrible. Last in yards per play, last in yards per pass. Even though the Chiefs' offense is struggling, I, I just don't expect that type of unit to to slow down the Chiefs. Even though they've underperformed, uh, the left tackle with the Chiefs is a problem too. Um, you know, Donovan Smith got hurt. Um, I think over three weeks ago, it was like a third of the way through the Packers game that the Chiefs ended up losing, and then they've underperformed since then. Uh, so, will the awful Chief, uh, Bengals defense capitalize on that injury? We'll see. I think that was a key reason. You know, I, I'm, I think I'm going to be the bang, the drum guy for left tackle need to be, be considered for MVP awards now without the Chiefs and the uh, the 49ers um, look without their left tackles there. The Chiefs defense could dictate the standing of a top 10 defense in yards per play. Cincinnati really needs Jamar Chase back to have any shot, I think, of beating this quality pass defense. So we'll see how the injuries go. Um, and maybe the market is projecting Chase is coming back and why it's coming down, but I would not play them until I knew Chase was playing. And I know it's tough to bet Kansas City to win by margin. So I'm probably going to stay away from this. Unless you want to bet it under the seven, then I'll probably look to take the Chiefs. Emery, what's your take? The under here. I, I love this Chiefs defense. And Chris Jones, I made this comparison uh, on Twitter while watching that Raiders game, e even though it's not a one-to-one, -one, but when you watch his impact, defensively it's like we're watching reggie white again the same size type of player that can play across the front just unblockable and just dominates when he wants to and it seems like he's always in the face harassing the quarterback and i feel like that's going to be the case here against a guy that has a propensity to hold the ball a little bit too long uh in jake browning so i like this defense i like the fact that they are getting the Bengals without jamar chase potentially i like the under here more than anything Sunday night football, Packers and Vikings. And if you haven't read it, there's a great column in the Minneapolis Star Tribune about Nick the Pick, as they're calling him, Nick Mullins, because of all the interceptions he throws. And he still said he had a good game afterwards. I mean, he combines, you know, uh, fairly accurate, no arm strength and no mobility. And basically the writer was saying he's getting guys killed out there. I mean, like he's putting his receivers in harm's way. He's throwing interceptions, but he is also throwing for a lot of yards, uh, over 400 yards. Will they go to rookie Jaron Hall? Uh, it's a terrible Packers defense that's just been getting obliterated. And Emery, this is your third official play. You go first. Yeah, I like the Packers here. You talked about a lot of the reasons why Nick Mullins potentially starting. That means you already give a touchdown to the Packers. Uh, based off you know <laughs> him throwing an interception or fumbling the football. Um, I think hospital ball should be an official stat for quarterbacks because he does lead the league in that category. Uh, when you think about the Packers offense, they can score the ball. They can push the tempo. They can play with pace. They can run the ball when they want to. I love a lot of what they do offensively. And on the other side of the ball, whether it's Jaron Hall, you're dealing with a rookie, whether it's Nick Mullins, you're dealing with a turnover-prone quarterback, Green Bay needs this to keep their flickering playoff hopes alive. I like the Packers here in this spot. RJ, which way are you going in this uh, you know, desperate game for both teams? 
Yeah, both teams really need this embarrassing performance for Packers defense against Carolina. I don't know how you give up nearly 400 yards to the league's worst offense there, but the Green Bay offense made up the difference despite all the injuries they've been dealing with. Aaron Jones, key in the run game, but Minnesota's defense is fifth in yards per rush. Um, so we'll see if the Green Bay offense can get a little healthier here, get some guys back that were missing in that last game, because uh, Minnesota's defense shut them down when they were healthier in the first meeting, just 274 yards and 10 points for Green Bay at home in that matchup. Um, but then you look at the other side, like Emory's talking about, hard to have confidence in Minnesota's offense with Mullins at quarterback, especially with Hawkinson and now Addison. Hawkinson out for sure, and Addison, I think they say day-to-day, we'll see if he plays in this game. And if that's if that's the case and he misses the game, Green Bay could have the healthier offense here. And Minnesota's offense creating turnovers can make the difference if Mullins is the quarterback. And if it's Jaron Hall, it brings down the upside of, of Minnesota moving the ball, I think. Um, I, I like Emery's play. I would lean to the under in this game. I think people are going to be looking to the over, just seeing what the Packers are doing on both sides of the ball. But this seems to me like Vikings could get some drives that they don't get any points out of because of Nick Mullins and the Packers um, with their, their, their offense not being able to score against Minnesota the first time. This seems to me like a game that could stay in the in the low 40s or maybe even high 30s to me. Feels like every game is between seven and eight and eight and seven this week. Uh, a lot of parity as there always is in the NFL. Guys, let's go over our best bets, eight official best bets. I'm going to start with you, RJ. Give them, give them to us. And the Texans minus three and a half. That's a play expecting Stroud to come back. Obviously, uh, I want to get in front of the line move I expect to happen there. Uh, Chargers plus five and a half. That goes against my power ratings, but I think I'm still a little too high on Denver and the market is a little too high on Denver right now. And that game should be probably closer to the three or four range. I have the Falcons-Bears game going under 38 points. Love fading this Falcons offense on the road. Bears don't score a ton of points either, and their defense is playing very well. So I do not expect this game to get anywhere near 40. Emery. Oh, we talked about the reasons why I love the Rams here in this spot. They're playing the Giants. Lay these six points. They're the hottest team in the NFC, in my opinion. 49ers playing the Washington Commanders. Lay the 13 and a half. Run game is going to – it wouldn't surprise me to see Christian McCaffrey get over 200 yards on the ground in this matchup. So I like them big against Washington. And, again, the Packers, they can't lose to Nick Mullins. I, I, they can't. So take them on a you can take them on a money line or take definitely take them plus two. They'll take care of business and win this ball game against the Vikings. Yeah, but can they lose to Jaron Hall? I think CMC is going to be minus two hundred or more uh, to score a touchdown in that game. Uh, my two plays: the Browns. I gave it out uh, earlier this week at six and a half. I'll still lay it with seven, uh, just because Trevor Simeon. I don't believe has any shot going into Cleveland to have an efficient game without turning the ball over. And the Cowboys, you know, the, it's actually a great matchup, but the spot is so favoring Dallas coming off two road losses back at home where they averaged 40 points a game. The Lions celebrated the title. They celebrated big time and deservedly. So now can they get back up on a short week in Dallas? I don't think so. I think Cowboys by a touchdown or more. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for the Week 17 NFL Mega Preview presented by BetMGM. We will be back on this channel 10 a.m. Eastern. See Najad hosting The Early Edge. We'll see you later. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.